And so how do we handle fear? And uh, I'm titling this series, Things That Go Bump in the Night. Because, uh, and I kind of explained this last week. When I was a kid, you know, know, seven or eight, nine, ten years old, uh, I can remember, you know, going to bed and uh, looking in my closet. And I could see people in my closet. If I stared at it long enough, there was somebody looking at me in the closet. Because nobody had no better thing to do than watch, you know, eight-year-old in the closet. So I would be, so it'd scare me, you know. And eventually, and, uh, what's crazy is that I lived, uh, my brother and I shared a room, and he was four years older than me, so he was like, you know, four feet away <laughs> in the room, we had, in twin beds. But I would, I'd start calling out for my dad. Have you ever done that, you know, scared? He's like, Dad, Dad. And eventually, you know, he would come in and turn the light, and he'd say, what is it? It's like, there's, a, there's a, somebody in the closet. It's like, I don't know why we didn't shut, just shut the closet doors. It made it a whole lot easier, you know. But, you know, when you're 7, 8, 9, 10, 15, 20, you don't think about that. Uh, uh, so, but the things that, that often our fears are irrational. If you turn the light on, you get a little light on them uh, and see what's, what it really is, it's not near as overpowering. So how do we turn the light on those fears? So today, we must start with this about how do we overcome fear. Uh, but we can't overcome them. We can't overcome fears with the strength that Christ gives. One of the, one of the most... Uh, the times that Jesus was afraid, and you think, when was Jesus afraid? Well, Jesus was afraid, we know, one time. And that's when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. Now, it's just before his crucifixion. He knows it's the end. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, you know, sons of thunder, and he began to be grieved and distressed. Other, other translations in other places, this story is also recorded by Luke. Luke says he was in agony, to, to agonize over where he was. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father... If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So he's, he, he's, he can see what he's facing. He's, he doesn't want to face it, and he asks the Father to take the cup of suffering away. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so you men, should not, you men could not keep watch with me one, for one hour? You, you couldn't just, you know, this is the most scary time in my life, and you couldn't just... Watch me one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You've probably all experienced that in prayer. You notice how easy it is to sleep when you're trying to pray. If you have, if you have trouble going to sleep, just start praying. Or listen to my old sermons. <laughs> like last week. I'm not talking about real old. Just, you know. He went away again a second time and praying, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. 
Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them again, and then went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed at the hands of sinners. Get up, let us go, let's be going. Behold, the one who betrays me at hand. Then they came and arrested him, and he was carried off. At the end of this, Judas shows up with the guards. They arrest Jesus. They carry him off. So why was Jesus fearful before his death? He was fearful before his death because, number one, he was identifying with us in his death. Jesus is God, but the reason Jesus came in the flesh is that he is also fully human. So Jesus came fully human so that he could be tempted like we are, so he could face the things that we're going to face, so he could face fears like we face fear. Hebrews 14, 15 says this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Is this all we've got? We don't have the verses. We've just got the reference. Okay. Just checking. Go there. See, it's there. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. See, look back there. Look at the screen back in the back. That's the cheat screen. That's the cheat screen. You didn't know that was. It's, it's up there too? No, it's not. I'm. I can't see it. There it is. It's a miracle. Yeah, let, it's the light. Sorry. Okay. Wow. Man. No. You, st- you, you see those two lights right there? It's like standing in front of two lights. It's just like that. All right. I don't know where I was. I was somewhere in Hebrews. One who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let's draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Jesus is tempted just like we are in everything. So one of the reasons that he faced this is because we face fears. Jesus faced this fear like we face fear. Hebrews 5, 7. In the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. So what what was Jesus tempted to do? Quit. (laughs) Run. Call a legion of angels. Anything but die. So he was tempted to do those things to not die. You see, Satan puts fear on us so that we won't do God's will for our life. Satan is putting fear on Jesus so that he won't do what God's will was for his life. Every time you make a fear-based decision, you miss the will of God. When you make a fear-based decision, you'll miss the will of God. God's will for Jesus was to go to the cross and die for our sins. Jesus acted above his fears. It's, you know, some people say he felt the fear, but he did it anyway. Number two, Jesus was fearful because he had the full knowledge of every single detail of everything he was about to endure. <laughs> because it was planned before the foundation of the world. 
Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what he was going to suffer. And Jesus suffered a gruesome death, a, a, a horrible death. But it wasn't the crown of thorns and the nails in his hand that made his death horrible. There were thousands, thousands of people that the Romans killed on the cross. That it, was, it, was, it was normal business for the Romans to kill people on a cross. It wasn't unusual for someone to die like Jesus did on the cross. What was unusual is that the way Jesus died on the cross is that 1 Peter 2.24 tells us this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. You think about that. Jesus carried every sin. He carried the sins of Stalin and Hitler and Mao Zedong and, is that the way to say it? Mao Zedong? That seems like a weird way to say it. Uh, uh, every pedophile, every rapist, every murderer, every sick, twisted sinner, you and I included. Every sin. He on the cross, he bore our sins in his body on the cross. This is what made his death terrifying. Because he bore our sins in his body. He's carrying, the, you know, just think, this is Jesus who is pure and holy and righteous and sinless. The sinless Lamb of God. And he takes all of that filth onto himself for our benefit. Why did he do it? Because he's identifying with us fully. He also died our death. In that moment when Jesus died, he, just, he didn't just die his death. He didn't just die for him. He died for you and me. Amen. Yes, sir. He tasted death for every man. Here's what Hebrews 2.9 says. But, but we do see him who was made a little lower for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So Jesus, at the same time he's carrying every sin, he's, he is dying everyone's death. Everyone. Whoever did die from, from Abel to the end. He is bearing that death. He's tasting death for everyone. So why is Jesus fearful? Because he's carrying our sins. He's carrying our death. And in that moment, in that moment, when he's carrying our sin and our death, the Father turns his back on him. He's... he's the, the thing he's most fearful of the most is not the sin, it's not the dying, it's the separation. For in eternity, there has never been, in eternity, there has never been a moment of separation between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And to bear our sin and to bear our death and so that he could die because he has to be a man to die. He can't die as God. And to taste our death, to take our sin, Jesus, covered in our sins, died. 
Matthew 27, 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he died our death. Jesus was feeling everything that we would feel. He identified with us. Also, Jesus was under the full-scale attack by Satan. You ever been under attack by Satan? So was Jesus. Now, we all know that when Jesus began his ministry, he, he went out in the wilderness and was, after fasting for 40 days, he was tempted by Satan. And after all the temptations, we have a record of three temptations that, that Satan threw at, him, threw at him, but of all the temptations that he endured, after he had endured those temptations, and did not sin, of course, did not succumb to those temptations, Luke 4, 13, when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. Think about that. You ever seen that before? Satan tempted him, and he didn't, wasn't successful, so he said, I'm going to wait for a better time. What's a better time? Well, Satan is an opportunist. When you are at your weakest, he attacks. See, he, Jesus, it says Jesus took Peter and the sons of Zebedee, and he began to be grieved and distressed. When he was in sorrow, he was grieved, he was fearful, he was distressed, Satan showed back up. And what's he whispering in his ear? You don't have to do this. It's too hard. There's an easier way. The Father doesn't really love you. He doesn't want what's best for you. You need to, you need to do, 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 let's do things my way. He lies. He's the father of lies. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So Satan is an opportunist. He's looking for a time of your weakness to attack you. I like Hebrews 2.14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You see, you think about it, the heart of all your fears is really the fear of death. You're, you're not really afraid of heights. You're af afraid of splatting. <laughs> right? I mean, you're not, why are you afraid of snakes? I mean, why, I mean, there are a lot of snakes, there's a lot of snakes that are good snakes. But most of you don't believe there's a good snake. Don't, I've, I've heard this my whole life. Only good snake is a, is a dead snake. And why are we afraid of snakes? We're afraid of snakes because they could bite you and they could kill you. I, I'm on, you know, when I was on Facebook, I don't do Facebook, but when I was on Facebook, one of the groups that I followed was what kind of snake is this? It's a very, very interesting group. If, you know, if, if you're wasting time on Facebook, that's a good thing to do. Okay. Uh, but people would take pictures of a snake and they're like, this snake just bit my dog. <laughs> and what should I do? And they say, well, it's just a water snake. It's okay. Or, you know, or, oh, well, go to the emergency room. You're in trouble. Uh, not, you know, for the dog, not for you, but, uh, but 
fear of things, fear of bugs. You, fear, you know, you fearful of bugs? Why, what are you really fearful of bugs? Well, they're going to get on me. They're, you know, what if it's poisonous? You know, of all the spiders we have in Texas, there's only really two, the black widow and the brown recluse spider are the only ones that are really poisonous. And, but yet, you know, who wants to take time to figure out what it is? You know, the best thing to do is just squish it. And then some of you are just freaked out about that. See, Jesus came to deliver us from those fears, those irrational fears, the fear of death. Why? Because Jesus said to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. I, I just love this verse because it's so confusing. Because what does he say? He says, if you believe in me, you'll never die. He says that. If you believe in me, you'll never die. But if you do die... Wait a minute, I thought you said I wasn't going to die. If you believe in me, you'll never die. But if you do die, you really won't die, you'll live again. I'm the resurrection and the life. What, so what's the deal? What, what, what happens? You close your eyes. In, if you're a believer in Christ, you never die because Jesus took your death. On the cross, Jesus tasted death for every man. He took that moment of death when death would come and drag you to hell. When death would come and take possession of you and take you before Jesus to Sheol. At the moment of your death, you, are, you don't wake up in hell unless you don't know Jesus. But if you know Jesus, you wake up in heaven. You close your eyes in this life and you open your eyes in eternity. I really believe, I, and when my dad died, we were all around his bed singing. I just, he loved, we, we just went through the hymn book. We were singing every song we could think of. Every song we could think of, we're singing. The old rugged cross, victory in Jesus was his favorite song. We're just singing, my family, just all gathered around singing. And, uh, and he's kind of, you know, he's in a coma. His eyes were just fixated. And uh, breathing shallow, you know, he's in the, you can tell he's in those last moments. And, and when he took his last breath, the look on his face changed to a look of amazement. I believe he took that. Sorry. I believe he took that last breath here and his first breath in heaven. There was a little cross over there. And that's, see, that delivers us. What, what do you believe? I believe that delivers us from the fear of death. You're never going to die. Because Jesus died your death. See, there's good fear and there's bad fear. Good fear is circumstantial. You only feel it because you need to do something. There's, there are things that you should, be, like, if you, you know, you're about to step on a snake. It's a good time to say, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Or some, nowadays, because of, you know, everybody's texting and driving. If you don't believe people aren't texting and driving, there is not one guardrail that hasn't been run into. <laughs> just, just drive down the road, you think, there is not a straight guardrail. The, the crews are working overtime. Every guardrail, every wall, you drive along every wall, and it's all been banged up and beat up. You think, what? Because people are texting and driving. And so, so, and, 
people are pulling your lane all the time. You're just driving the road. You're like, oh, whoa. And you see something and you think, okay, what, you know, where am I going to go? You know, what, can, am I going to the ditch? Am I going to go that way? What am I? And so, so that's, that's a, that's a good fear. Good fear is, is, uh, circumstantial. It's because immediately doing something about the circumstances, bad fear is perpetual. It hangs over you and haunts you in the night, wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning. What are you going to do about this? It feels huge and overwhelming, unbearable. Bad fear is expecting the, the, the devil to move. Faith is expecting God to move. Good fear is protective. In other words, it keeps you from doing stupid stuff like jumping off of tall buildings. Bad fear is paralyzing. When, <laughs> when we went to uh, the first time, uh, I think it was when we went to the Eiffel Tower, Tina loves roller coasters. She'll ride that thing at Six Flags. It does the dropping you down. Whoo, you know, drops you down in heights. But, but when she stands on the edge of like the Grand Canyon or something like she gets electricity in the back. You ever get electricity in the back of your legs, you know? So we're, we're, we get off the elevator at the Eiffel Tower in Paris. And, and, and she's like standing over against the wall. I was like, come out here. Come out here and, and look, look, the city of... Of gray, drab city of Paris. Get a good look at it. We're never coming back. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so she, she just, in other words, and that, that's a reasonable fear. But, you know, but she overcomes it eventually. <laughs> uh, good fear is empowering, empowering, bad fear is enslaving. You can only give away what you have. And Satan is filled with fear, anxiety, and deception. That's all he can give away because that's all he has. Isaiah 57, 21 says, There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Know who gives you peace? Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. Who gives you peace? God gives us peace. He's the God of all peace. God owns peace. The devil doesn't have any peace. You can't get peace through the devil. People try to get peace every, all kinds of different ways through the devil. They think drugs will give them peace. They think alcohol will give them peace. They think sex will give them peace. It doesn't give them, it doesn't give them peace. Because it can't. He doesn't have the ability to give you peace. There's no rest for the wicked. Only Jesus can give you peace. Only he can fill your heart with a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. It's a peace like when Greg went this week into surgery for his back again. And he's here. Thank God for that. For successful surgeries. Amen. Good doctors that you can go but knowing you can go in with the peace that God gives. As you face the things of life, you can have the peace that passes understanding. So, now I've got six minutes to tell you how to deal with fear. Okay. <laughs> how do you deal with fear? Number one, admit your fear without shame. Jesus said, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What did he do? He ran to daddy. He called out. He said, daddy. Daddy, I'm scared. God came in and turned on the light. 
if it's possible. Satan operates, his power operates best in darkness and deception. There's an amazing thing that happens when you bring things to light, how their power is broken. When the lie is broken, when the, the darkness shines, you know, you turn on the light, the, the cockroaches run to hide. It, it, it's like you just bring it to God, he turns on the light. It's like, it's like the faces in the closet just turn back into clothes. And you're like, oh, I was fearful for nothing. I had exaggerated that. That was unreasonable. What I was seeing was not the truth. What I was believing was not true. I had convinced myself of something that was not true. So, admit your fear without shame. Submit your fear to God. Jesus said, yet not as I will, but as you will. Mark Twain said, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the mastery of it. You, you have to act above your emotions. You have to act above your fears. Jesus did. Emotions are real, but it doesn't mean they're the truth. Emotions are real, but it doesn't mean they're the truth. There's things you, you really feel it. You're feeling it. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's the truth. It just means you feel it. Have, have you ever felt like you felt somebody was mad at you? And so when you get around that person, you're, you're uncomfortable and you avoid them. And you create, even if, you're, if they're not mad at you, they will be eventually. Because <laughs> you create an environment. It's like you created a discomfort. You, you've imagined something. So if, but if you were to say to them, if you brought it to light and said, are you, are you mad at me? They'd say, I wasn't even thinking about you. What do you, I, I got my own problems. I don't have time to go around thinking about you. You know, so, I, no, I'm not mad at you. And so a lot of times we just get out of, uh, out of proportion. The greatest regrets you will have will be decisions you made based on fear. You think about some relationship decisions you made. You moved in because you thought you needed to move in. You think, I shouldn't have moved in. I moved in because my fear... I thought if I didn't have sex with him, I'd lose him. I thought if I didn't move in with him, I'd lose him. I thought if I didn't move in with her or have sex with her, I'd lose her. The, the decisions that you make based on fear will be the ones you regret the most. Number three, focus on God's presence and love. Now, Israel is free from slavery. And they've journeyed to the edge of the promised land. They've been to Mount Sinai. They've received, the prom they've received the word of God. They've seen the presence of God. They've seen the mountain shake. God's been feeding them with manna coming out of heaven every morning. They, you know, he, water's coming out of rocks. Make sure they got water to drink. God's given them divine provision, just victory after victory good thing after good things happening they're just learning how to walk and trust god and they get to the edge of the promised land and we all know this they send in 12 spies they send 12 spies into the promised land and 10 spies come back and give what the bible says they give a bad report now here's what they reported numbers 13 33 and there we saw the nephilim the nephilim are the the sons of anak who come from the nephilim who were the giants the giant, giants of Genesis chapter 6, verse 2, where there's giants in the land. So the, 
and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. That is a, that, that is a, that is a cool verse. It's saying, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers in their eyes, and, and so we were. We were grasshoppers in their eyes because that's how we saw ourselves. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So they're saying, they're giants and we're grasshoppers. What are we going to do? The, the devil will always put a giant where God puts a promise. Everywhere there's a promise in your life, there's a giant you'll have to kill. It's a giant of fear or worry or it's just, just the stuff of life that you're going to have to face. Just because it's God's will doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, God, you may decide you want to start a business, and you think God wants you to start a business. That doesn't mean the money's going to just start flowing because it's God's will. It's still going to be work and hard work and still be a lot of failure and difficulty, and every now and then stupid's going to work in because I hadn't said that yet, so I need to throw that in. (laughs) So, but two other guys. So Joshua and Caleb are two of the 12. So 10 come back fearful and say, oh, no. No, we can't go. Oh, we can't go in the promised land, the, the land that God's promised. I mean, it's the promised land. It's the land that God promised. Why? We can't do it. We can't do it because we're not big enough. Well, you weren't big enough to do any of the stuff you've done so far. You didn't get here on you. You got here because God brought you out of Egypt. He delivered you out of Egypt. He brought you across the Red Sea. He took you to Mount Sinai and gave you the word of God. He brought you here. He's fed you. He's kept you. He's protected you. He's defeated your enemies. He didn't do it. And now you're standing here. We can't do it. Absolutely you can't do it. God knew that. Joshua and Caleb, Caleb says this. He's talking to the people. Now, the people are all afraid. They're all like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Joshua and Caleb say this, only do not rebel against the Lord. Because this is rebellion, because God's told them to go in the promised land. He said, this is my, it was God's will. This was God's will. He gets them out of Egypt to take them into the promised land. This is God's will. And they're not doing God's will. They don't want to do God's will. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't, Don't fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. We'll eat them alive. That's what he's saying. He's saying well, they're nothing. Their protection is re- removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I'm telling you, they, you know what Caleb's saying? Listen, let's give everybody a Red Ryder BB gun, and we can beat them with that. That's all it'll take. All it's going, I mean, you think about it. You see, when David had to face a giant, you think he killed giant because he's really good with a slingshot? I think he was really good with a slingshot, but I think he killed the giant because he was really good with a slingshot and God was with him. See, it's good to be really good with a slingshot, but it wasn't, he wasn't relying upon the slingshot. He was relying upon God. See, the, so they, did, they didn't have to overpower them. They just had to trust God. So how do we overcome fear? We overcome fear by trusting God. We overcome fear by by giving it to God, by confessing it to God, submitting to God. God, I'm afraid, and we let Daddy run. We don't run from him, or we run to him, and he comes and he gives us comfort and peace because he's the God of peace. 
Jesus battled the fear that he faced with the promises of God and prayer. That's how do we battle the fear that we face? With the promises of God and prayer. What's God said to you? Start praying that. Psalm 16, 8, this is Jesus. This, this is a psalm about Jesus. I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus overcame his fear by praying the promises of God. Pray the promise. Quit reciting your fears. Except tell them to God. Say, God, I'm afraid. But I'm going to stand on your promise. Amen. Let's stand. On the promise. Feel the fear and do it anyway. You'll never regret a decision you make that's based on the will of God and faith. But you will regret decisions that you make out of fear that are not according to the will of God for your life. So some of you are facing fears. I want to challenge you not to fear COVID. I don't, I don't want you to act stupid. Don't presume upon the goodness of God. We don't, we don't presume that God owes us life. We take every precaution that, we've, that we feel that we should take. But if you believe in Jesus, you're not going to die. You may not be around here, but you're going to be more alive than you've ever been in your life. So, Father, we pray that you would deliver us from the, from the fear of death, where many have been held captive all their lives. Every irrational fear, every disproportionate fear, Every crippling fear, we ask you, we bring it to you, Father. We submit it to you, just like Jesus said, Lord, is it possible? I am afraid. Is it possible for this cup to pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We submit it to the Father, and we submit our lives to your will. Knowing that in you, there is victory. Lord, remove every fear that overcomes us. Help us put our trust in you to feel the fear, but obey you anyway. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I love you. I still love you. Another week. I'm still loving you. We'll see what happens next week. I love you too. <laughs>